Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Coffee. I am really excited about today's episode because I have had so many requests for a person that covers this topic. So today we are going to be talking about pet loss, and we have a pet loss expert here with us. Her name is Claire Chu, but not only does she deal with pet loss, but she has had a host of things happen in her own life that have kind of inspired her to work in the grief field. So I'm excited to hear her tell her story and to share her expertise with you. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Claire on. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm happy to be here. It's a, <laughs> it's a rainy eight o'clock in, uh, in cloudy LA. <laughs> uh, did you get, there's all kinds of crazy weather going on there, isn't there? I've heard there's like evacuations and stuff because of the rain. Yeah, and flooding, yeah. and uh, it's El Nino, but I don't think we've seen it like at this uh, since 1997. I've been like, uh, I've been here for like 30 years, and it's been, it's crazy flooding. You know, yeah. All right, well, stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> That's the most important thing. Um, okay, so I always ask, are you drinking anything this morning? I have my glass of water. I've already had water. my cup of tea, so yes, hydrated. <laughs> All right. So um, we can just get into it. So your story, just reading like a little bit about you, you know, on the surface, I knew that you were a, a pet loss person, but you've had so much go on in your life. So just kind of start wherever you feel comfortable or whatever you think kind of contributed to you ending up working in the grief field. Um, I think that loss. I think people, when we think about grief, it's only about death and dying. So when people come to me, they're like, oh, um, I didn't experience loss until I lost my dog or whatever. But I think of grief and loss as it's like every disappointment we're not able to emote. It's like every time we don't stand up for ourselves, every time we've been disappointed, every time things didn't go our way. And I think that, um, over the years, it all collects into like a container. And I think that when somebody passes away or somebody closest to us is no longer there, whether it's an animal or human, it, it opens the floodgates and it just kind of like ping pongs into everything else. It's like a pendulum, you know? Yeah. yeah. So how did you, what were the things kind of in your own life that led you to this work? Um, always wanted a dog. You know, it's the, it's, it's kind of like the American dream that comes with a white picket fence and everything. So I'm originally from Hong Kong. We immigrated when I was um, seven. And I always wanted a dog because it was a thing, you know, the yard. and um, But my parents were like, oh, we have three kids. It's a lot, you know. And, uh, you know, um, and I think at a pivotal point in my life when I was, uh, I went away to college at 18, as everybody, you know, a lot of people do, usher out into the world. Mm -hmm. And um, the my freshman year, I got diagnosed with stage four bone cancer, and I didn't know. And my my arm was just hurting. It was just hurting. And then I uh, was, you know, went to the school health center and had an x-ray, and there's a mass, and no one knows what to do with that because it's supposed to be the health center at college. And mm -hmm. so... Um, I was just kind of whisked away, like plucked out of my environment and boop, 
here you go. You're, you know, and then I went through almost two years of chemotherapy and surgery and radiation. And it was just like, I was home and I really wanted a dog. And it's still, uh, my parents weren't able to, for whatever reason, and it's okay, you know. And so as soon as I could, after I, you know, went into remission, I um, got my first dog and I knew nothing about having a pet ever. Like I was cohabitating with a person at the time that I was with. I'm like, I'm going to go out and get a dog. And I just went. I was living in LA and I just drove. And uh, I wanted a puppy and I had no idea and uh, ended up in East LA, the other side of town. And uh, uh, there she was. She was Her name was Sophie and she was like a little white pit bull. And, and they brought her out in a little rope. Like they didn't even have a... a <laughs> And I brought her home and that was it. And I feel like um, it's the very healing balm in my early 20s that I really needed from all the trauma that I experienced. And I didn't realize I had gone through all that grief. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, I put a lot on her. I didn't even realize I put a lot on her. But she was my person. She was my best friend. Like, you know, imagine being a child. And then growing up into a young person and really wanting that and never getting that. And then being able to finally get that. And it was just yeah. so magical. And we had, I am trying to think, nine magical years together. And then she was diagnosed with cancer suddenly. And in the span of like four months, she was like, bye. <sighs> so I think that, I think that, um, It, it put me in a place that I, I'm i very resilient as a person. I'm an immigrant, um, you know, and in my culture, we're taught to overcome anything. Mm-hmm. My family wasn't very emotional at all with feelings. And so I think um, she was my person. She came to work with me. She sat under the desk. Um, I worked in startup tech at that point. Um, we went camping. We went to the park. We we did everything. Like I just brought her wherever and she just kind of like hung out. And so I've never really known that amount of love before. Yeah. Like at that level of, and I didn't even realizing how much healing she was bringing into my life at that point. I just knew that I, I didn't even know at that point. I, I was 19 when I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So I didn't even know the amount of trauma or the layers of healing that was to come, you know? Yeah. So after after Sophie died, is that when you transitioned into grief work or was it, didn't you do, I think I, think I read something about um, you designed products or something for people. Yeah, I had no idea. I just knew that like uh, by that time, 2003, um, I thought I had done everything I was supposed to, right? Like um, I escaped cancer or I survived cancer. And when you're 19, you think you're invincible. So you're like, screw this. I'm still going to get through it. Not realizing the magnitude of it. And then I just yeah. went right back in it. Went back to school, changed my major, did four years of classes in two years. Like I was at like, 
yeah. we're just going to keep going. And I, I remember like uh, a dear friend at the time had, had said, you're like one of those horses or greyhounds at that line, just, just trying to so hard to make up for mm -hmm. a lost time. And I think um, I didn't have a chance to grieve. I didn't even know what grief was. As a young person, you just kind of feel like, how do you deal with being a freshman in college and having your life like blossom? And then one day, it was a it was President's Day, so it's coming up. President's yes. Day, nineteen eighty seven. I had my first boyfriend, and we were <laughs> we were going from college and on a road trip. And then before that, I had gone to the health center. And how do you how do you reconcile? Like being on your road trip and then the health center calling your parents and your parents calling the other parents. And then they're like, we're going to meet you at the airport. You got to fly home. You got to sort this stuff out. And yeah. then it was like a uh, five alarm. And then my parents went down and packed all my school stuff up and brought it home. And then I never went back. So I think about... um I didn't mean to go into this grief work. It just, I was the super achiever, went through all of that and was able to finish school. I graduated with um, a degree in design. I worked in LA for a company, um, startups did really well, creative director, bought a home, white picket fence. I thought I had everything. Yeah. I got married and then I got divorced, but my dog was still with me. So I'm like, I'm good. Early thirties. I'm good. I'm good. But I wasn't good. And then she passed away. I couldn't get out of bed. It was like the first time in my life. I still got out of bed when I had cancer. I still was able to function. I still pushed through because I was like, dying's not an option because like, I mean, being Think of being told at the age of 19, you have 11% chance of living. And this is before the internet. I remember I went to the university library. I'm looking up Ewing sarcoma. What does that mean? What is this? And I think having her really got me back grounded into my heart yeah. for the first time in a long time. Well, she was with you through a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. mm. So I think um, when she passed, um, I still wasn't thinking. I was still working, and I was on a flight from uh, L.A. to New York to see my sister and my nephews for um, Halloween. And I was talking to a C-suite guy next to me, you know, on the way back. And he's like, what do you do for a living? And I was just like, I design, <laughs> I design. I make keepsake jewelry for people who've lost their pets. like." Crazy pants. I don't know how that fell out of my mouth, but it did. And um, you weren't actually doing it at that point. You just said I was still working at the place and I was at the agency and I was sad and grieving. And it was the first time I couldn't get out of bed. Like I was like that inconsolable person thinking I was crazy. I could get through cancer. I can get through a divorce. I can get through hardships. Um, and I couldn't figure out why my brain wasn't working and my heart wasn't working. And, and at the end of the six hours, he's like, that's a great idea. He's like, so he gave me 
$10,000. He wrote it on a napkin. And he's like, you know, I, I want half in. I'm in. And then I, that's how I started and Lux Pets. And six months later, I bought him out because I'm like, wait a minute. I did the trademark. I built the website. I did everything. But I'm forever grateful because that was the catalyst to the work that I did. And um, and then it propelled me, inspired me to go back to grad school. I went back to graduate school for a master's in psychology. And at that point, when I was in it, um, the last year of grad school, my mom passed away suddenly. And so mm -hmm. like, and at that point I was, it was the same week I found out I was pregnant and I wasn't, I found out I was pregnant on Monday and I was so excited to share with her and she passed away on a Wednesday. So, um, I say she passed away and I think it, it, it this is like everybody who's triggered about talking about death and dying and suicide might want to turn off at this point, but, um, my mom, she was 76 and she took her own life. And I think that's what really inspired me to do the work that I still continue to do today. You know, I started a private practice um, after I graduated and in general grief, I did a lot of, you know, and then I realized, I, you know, I, I serve all the um, underdogs of the population. So it's like, perinatal loss, pet loss, suicide, the things that no one ever really wants to talk about. And yeah. I really want to re remove the stigma from it because, you know, I'm, you know, um, and, and thank you for having me here today. Cause I, I, I'm just going to spend a minute and talking about my mother was, she was an immigrant. Mm -hmm. uh, she lived through the wars. I'm, I'm Chinese. She's from Hong Kong. Um, she had a sibling that she cared for deeply that passed away in her under her care during the war. I don't think my mother ever recovered. Um, and and in our culture, they don't really talk about mental health issues, and so she was never able to get help. Um, my mother was a a lovely person, and I think that um, because of society's stigmas or cultural stigmas, we're not we're not able to get the care that everyone should be entitled to. And so mm -hmm. when she passed, I, re I recalled my dad telling me, like, um, I did the eulogy at the um, at her passing at the memorial. And she's like, you have to tell everybody she passed away in her sleep. Because mm -hmm. that was the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and, and I really, um, uh, I'm bringing this up because I recall the moment in which um, I spoke to her the week before she passed away. And, and up until that time, we had a, um, interesting relationship, right? I'm immigrated at age seven and she came from a different world of knowledge. We're in, Los, in, in San Francisco and it's a different way of living. And, um, but through my education and my grad school, I realized that I can just love her for who she was. And so um, really validated that for her. And she had a hard life and no one ever saw it and no one ever validated her. And culturally, you know, she wasn't seen. And so I saw her and I think, I don't want to say that gave her the mission to whatever was next for her, but 
as as much as people are going to object on your podcast. I'm so sorry. I really believe no. that. I really believe that. Um, I see a different lens when people end their life, you know, in that way. It's like there's so much pain. They really just can't take. And it's not about leaving people behind, but it's just it gave her the dignity and the permission to do what she needed. Mm-hmm. So I honor that. And when my dog passed um, and then she passed and I just realized that I have a and having cancer at 19, I'm this unicorn where I've gone through so much loss, you know, mm-hmm. um, being plucked from a country and moved over to another country. My parents at seven didn't tell me we we're supposed to immigrate. They told me we were going on vacation because they thought they knew that was how they knew best. So I didn't speak the language. I came here and I'm plucked and I'm like, here you are. And so I think all of that makes me the perfect unicorn for this container. It just, I I felt like this is like a, a way to honor my mother. It's a way to honor my dog. It's a way to help people through different arenas of grief. And pet loss ends up being my thing because it's uh it's 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 my first soul dog who allowed my heart to be like you know yeah well, thank you so much for sharing all that and now i mean you can talk about whatever you want on here because that's what we're all about <laughs> i'm pretty sure at this point my audience is used to us talking about everything death and dying related so you never have to worry about that but so Let's, I guess, get into the pet loss because I know we have people watching and commenting and and people who have asked me so much about this topic, which I am definitely not an expert in. So um, I guess kind of start with what advice you might have for people who are told that like their pet loss grief isn't as valid, you know, isn't like a real grief. I know I've had people comment that to me like they feel bad saying that they're so upset that they've lost their pet when like I've lost a child and parents and whatever so I guess how how is pet loss different from typical grief and and maybe even how is it the same what would you say to people who are feeling that way I think for all the people who are saying this is just a pet we have to anchor in our own knowing uh, my advice would be like let's anchor in our knowing that our pets really mattered to us and the people who are having these commentary is like they haven't experienced it so they can't know what it's like and um and i think my you know as i always say with every client i meet with um Take what resonates and leave everything else, right? It's not everybody's, this is like an opinion. So it's not like verbatim, like advice or, you know, Um, I I would just say, look back into your own journey and knowing that that's the fact. And if people say it was just the pet and I, my, my invitation would be to look at, um, Everyone has different meaning for everyone. And um, animals give unconditional love in a way that humans never do. Everything's always conditional. 
And I think that, um, and people even who have pets and who receive that love may not feel the same level of the somebody who's like really, you know, hurt down mm -hmm. here after losing a pet. And it's because we all operate on a different spectrum and it's just allowing yourself that you deserve that feeling and that it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people, I think it's all about relationships like the grief that you feel is just based on the relationship that you had with the person or the pet you know there are people who have pets that are like their children so it's you know and then <laughs> and then people you know that have a parent die that didn't really have a close relationship with a parent and they're not that upset so it's not that one is more difficult than the other. I think it's just all about like your grief is your grief and that needs to be acknowledged and felt, you know, no matter what that grief is, which I guess was kind of where you are leading with the more, like it's a holistic thing. Yes. Um, and it's like, um, if it's devastating to you, it's, it's important for you to find the community that's going to hold that space for you. And most mm -hmm. importantly, it's allowing whether you live in a rural area where you may not have a community that can embrace that and there's no pet loss support group, or you live in an urban area, there's a lot of people around you, you go to work and you have to put this mask on because you can't share with people that. But you, I think the first part is you allowing yourself the dignity of your process. You're not a crazy person. It's not strange to feel this way. Um, you've been connected for, you know, I've had clients who told me like they've had their pets longer than they have marriages, relationships. Yeah. They've had pets before they had children. It was their child. Mm -hmm. They have had, you know, this cat came into my life when I was going through a divorce. Um, I moved cross country with my dog. I lost everything and started all over again. My dog was there. You know, um, it doesn't matter. Horse, dog, cat, gerbil, hamster, fish. It's it's kind of like um, I think all of us. Um, at the end of the day, like at at uh, the grad school I, I went to, I got my master's was in spiritual psychology. So it talks about being on the goal line and the soul line. And I think the goal line is like right make a great living, buy a house, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. The soul line is the people you meet, the people you end up with, the pets you end up with. And for those of us who've had witnessed trauma early, like, you know, in our lives, whatever the age stages are, and, and we maybe develop a distrust or for whatever reason, we gravitate towards animals because they just accept us. And I think that's the part that people keep talking about and it's unconditional love, but it's way deeper than that. It's like where, like if you have grown up or were raised or were disenfranchised in whatever way, the love from an animal doesn't see this, doesn't see Claire and her hair mm -hmm. and her lipstick and whatever she's wearing or wherever she is, 
it sees Claire as the soul Claire. And to for a being to recognize you for that soul being is everything for someone mm -hmm. who has loved and lost and is trying to just get back. Yeah. So for someone, I know we have some people who are watching right now. Um, that are right in the deep grief of losing a pet. So what are some ways that someone who has lost a beloved pet and is, is really deep in that grief, what are some things that they could do or what advice do you have for those people? I would say you're not a crazy person. It's, 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 this is the, the part of grief that, um, in order to move through, we have to walk through. And there's going to be a lot of doubters out there who are in your circle, perhaps may not understand, just go get another pet. It was just a pet. Why are you, you should be over it by now. It's been, through. I would just say my first thing would be like, allow yourself the dignity of your process. Really do. And, and I say, the grief you're feeling and my heart is with you is multifaceted. It's not just about this. It's not just about the cat, dog, horse, gerbil, fish, turtle, you know, the being that you're mourning. It, it, it is really that wind chime because I think for however many years you, you've been cohabitating, loving, being existence, caring for, Right. Okay. The first thing is for people who are parents and have kids, your kids grow up and they become more independent and they can take event, take care of themselves. Your pet can never, they depend on you for everything, your food, the care, the walks, the blah, 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 blah. blah. And mm -hmm. I think that we forget that. And I think as caregivers over time, we feel like such a responsibility that no one ever talks about. We, we gladly do it because we love them so much. And so um, my advice for that is like to really look at all the ways in all your caregiving over the years. And some people care give because they've already been wounded. I went through a divorce. So now there's this fluffy and I'm going to do everything with fluffy and fluffy is is going to be the healing bomb for my heart as I move through a difficult period. And over the years, we heal. We become a, so connected with, with Fluffy that when Fluffy is sick or Fluffy passes, we don't know. We're bereft, but we don't know why. So it's like the layers of the onion, which is I always connect the dots to where were you when Fluffy came into your life? And what are all the healing bombs in the way that Fluffy showed up for you and maybe where you haven't been able to show up for yourself, you know, yeah, yourself or ourselves like, right. Because it's like, um, it's human nature. So kind of like just with the, with the loss of a person with all this, we talk about secondary losses where you lose your person, but then you also lose all of the roles that that person played it's similar with a pet that the pet was kind of standing in to comfort you in a bunch of different ways, you know, every way, every which way. Think about it. Like, you know, during the pandemic, we were in lockdown. 
Think of all the 2.5 million people who went and got pets. Yeah. And think about the millions of pets that were returned back to the shelter after everybody had to go back to work. It's kind of like um, we don't really realize how much space they hold for us in that way and how much love they give to us until they're not there. Yeah. It's kind of like they're always there. You go to work, you come home, you open the door, they're there. You um, you wake up, they're there. You have a purpose, you you know. And and they they and and here's the thing that might be controversial, but people don't really think about our pets give their lives to us. Really, like the, we we have social circles and everything. We go to work, we go out, but all they have is us. And so I think it's something to really if we think about it in that way, and if. And, and and I think the thing that's so hard about pet loss, we don't think about those things when you get them. They're so cute. They are lovely. They're a companion. They're always happy. And then we never really think about what it means to have an entire lifespan with them. And that's why at the end, we've grown so attached that for those of us who mourn so deeply, it's so painful to even look under the hood because we haven't had to for for whatever reason all the years that we've had them it's different than a human humans are conditional humans get pissed off humans yeah. will do things for you sometimes you get into fights or they don't want you to have to make concessions and these guys are always there yeah that's very true. So you had mentioned before, just kind of in passing, people saying like, oh, just go out and get a new pet and replace the old one. I mean, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Like what what steps can someone take to start healing from that devastation? Like we said that they look at, you know, different parts of their lives that their pet, you know, helped them with and comforted them with. But and are there any more like concrete things that people can and should do? Or is that something you should wait for a bit and like heal yourself first before you go out and get like a replacement pet? How, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to start by saying there are no replacement pets. Mm -hmm. There's no replacement pets. Just as every human being is unique. Every pet we have is, you know, whoever comes into our life is unique as well. And I think as far as the timeline, I think, and I, I've, you know, spoken to many, I, I do a lot of collaborations with animal communicators. And it, I always know from the other side that, you know, our pets want us to not suffer. We can mourn deeply. And I always say that I think there's some lessons to be taken away from why they came into your life and what they've taught you. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, I would say 90% of that is, what are we providing for them that we can't give to ourselves? I, I would say of all of my clients, there's like a pattern of putting others first, being the most awesome caregiver ever, um, feeling like they connect to their animals more than humans. In fact, I work for um, 
the other half of my work is working consulting for um, veterinary hospitals and the people who work in caring for your pets too. They are the same. You know, we want to give voice to somebody who doesn't have a voice. That's why we work in the field. Yeah. We, we, um, and at the same time, I would say, how are you not giving your voice? Um, where are you not taking care of yourself? And what, um, I was just saying this, this to a client last week. It's like, um, you can mourn for your pet. They, the grief is real. Like we feel it. And, and I would think that, um, at the same time, the, they don't want you to suffer though. There's a, you know, the, the, especially it's so important, the pet realm, because they're so present. They're mindful. Our pets live in the moment. And then here we are after we say goodbye, we are ruminating, we're replaying the last five days or the last whenever, the last moments, we're beating ourselves up. Would have, should have, could have. Uh, could I turn over any more stones to like look at under the rock to see what else I could have done? And we beat ourselves up over it. And if you were able to talk to an animal, every animal would say, You've done the best care you could have given for me but for whatever reason we as humans feel like it's never enough so we're going to feel guilty we're going to suffer not only do we miss them but we're going to add an extra layer of suffering onto it because like um that's the it's it adds on to the devastation so my work is really connecting the dots to what it your what's your first memory of grief because usually that is a bookmark into how you grieve, mm -hmm. right? And then why you got your animal and how your animal stood in to take care, be that container for all the grief for all these years. And then now they're gone. You're still maybe looking at this bucket. Yeah. How important is, like, I know I, I teach that in the, grieving process, memorializing, you know, the person or the pet that you lost is so important. I'm assuming that's, that's the same for pets to kind of remember them and honor them and, and memorialize them. Is there any, I mean, I guess, is there truth to that? Or do you know any ways that someone could kind of honor their lost pet? Um, yes, there's many ways, like, you know, depending on your dogma and your you know, there's the first part. It's like your dogma and your religious beliefs. There's that. Yeah. Um, and and from an emotional standpoint, you know, the clients that I consult with would be um, a lot of it is really going into um, the difference between mourning and grieving and suffering. And I think inherently animals, spirits are in the present and, and, and they really don't want us to suffer in the way that sometimes we carry on some of the these other patterns left over from other losses that we bring in, you know, human losses that we bring in. Mm -hmm. And then we put them in this container that we feel with our animals. And so if we haven't healed from some other losses in our life, we're going to carry all of that on. Um, I would say that, you know, in the animal realm, they really want us to have a lesson. They want us to look at all the ways and they loved us to be able to find some ways of honoring them 
Meaning, um, here's some examples. I often see that people who don't care for themselves, they care for their pets. For some people, it's years of caregiving when their pets are sick. Their pets pass, they come to me, we talk, and then we talk about them, their own lack of self-care and what does that look like. Then we begin to peel away the layers and what their pet really wants to know is like how pure and loving and magnificent and full of love that they are. And oftentimes people come to me because they feel like their pets are the only being that knows their love and they've been rejected from humans. And and part of it is getting to back into our core of who we are, yeah. the core of who we are at the end of the day. And um, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we're, um, I always say like, there's never enough time. And we all know that getting into the relationship, no one wants to think about that. And I think that if we are able to normalize that and have that become the the cycle, mm-hmm. then I think that we're able to have a the same deep relationship and connection with them, but in a different way where we're not putting so much because we haven't talked about the end of life yet, but often at the end of life, there's always so much regret. Did it too late? Didn't do enough? you know, they wanted chemo. The dog didn't want chemo, but they wanted chemo. And I, 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 cause I, I work for both sides. I see at the hospital where they're saying that pet is really, there's no, and the client is still like, we got to do it. And then we hear the, you know, on the flip side of, um, Everything that's happening is has to do with the human versus the pet. Pet's not eating. The pet's not drinking. I'm freaking out. What can I do? It's all my fault. But really isn't. It's just this end of life part. If animals were left in the wild and they weren't a part of our life, they would go into the woods. Yeah, it's just nature. It's nature. And so why is it that I think with medical advances and all the things we have at our disposal now to um, help them. I think in the helping, we feel so helpless. I, I don't know how many times I've, I, and I think circling back, this is why I'm a perfect conduit for grief because in pet loss, because I'm killing my pet. I'm like, you're not killing your pet. With medical advances, you've decided to do all these things. Your pet now cannot go into the woods. You live in an urban city. It's not a possibility and you're not killing them. They really need your help to get to the next step. And because animals hold pain so much, you're not even realizing they're in pain until it's too late. Oftentimes, you know, the cancer diagnosis, had no idea, they were fine. Next day, they're not fine. And it's like, but it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it feels like a weightier responsibility, I'm sure. All right, well, we have, we're coming up almost on 40 minutes. People left some comments, so I'm going to put them up there if you want to. How do I see it? I didn't even know. I'll put it up. Can you see it on the screen? Yeah. Mm So I'm grieving my cat daughter, licorice girl. It's been hard. Depression stage is just overwhelms me to a point of sobbing my eyes out. I just want her. (laughs) I'm sorry. So yes, this person sounds like they are right in the, in the thick of it. So Wynnum, my heart is with you. 
And it's perfectly normal to feel the depression. And and um it, it's a natural part of the grieving process. Um do you have a photo mm-hmm. of Licorice up? You she can you know, you can talk to her. I think I, I think that's the other thing. People lose their pets and they feel foolish that they have all of these feelings. And like, how can you not? Like, this has been your person. I always talk mm-hmm. about all the animals in my life are my people. So um, if you don't have a community that maybe is supportive or not supportive, I would say, talk to her, put a photo of her up, talk to her. It's okay. I I totally get how you might want her back because she's everything to you. And at the same time, I think all the love that she's given to you over the years and she's instilled you and all the care that you've given to her, I think she's asking for you to care for yourself now in whatever way you can and the way that you cared for her. And it's going to take some time and it's going to take time for like, think about all the things you did for her, all the ways in she was there for you. I would say, and we don't know each other, but I would say, what is one small step you can take today in taking care of yourself in the way that she would want you to? Yeah. Just take it a minute by minute. Um, so for, there's a couple here in a row from the same person here. I've had to put down dogs over the years, but this last dog I've seen killed in front of me has been devastating for an older man like me. It's been the hardest thing to deal with. Mm. And then same person each day you think gets a little better than you flop back to that horrible day. And so my recommendation would be is like um, oftentimes our memory banks are what's last embedded. It's human nature. We can't help it. And especially if you've taken care of them and you've gone through hardships and whether it's a human or an animal, right? You know that. Yeah. I mean, this is what happens. We can't, we you know, when he says it gets a little better, you flop back to that horrible day. Maybe it is, maybe here's an opportunity. My invitation would be to you. It's like, and I see that you said you recently got another pup too. And, um, you know, so, um, I would say it's apples and oranges, right? New pup, other pup. Um, I would say, if you can, maybe rewind the tape to all the memories you had with your other animals, because we focus on the last moments. Let's rewind and see if you can re- remember the first day. Hmm. Remember like the first years. I think um, we it's we ruminate on the very last moments and then we beat ourselves up on all the things we could have done. And I would say, um, and and look at look at all the ways and your dog has filled your heart all the different dogs you've had you know and yes there's that horrible day and that horrible day is in our minds resonating as a horrible day because we are recording it as a horrible day however we can record it also and reframe it as it was a day no one ever wanted to experience and at the same time there's been so many years of loving yeah. You know? 
Yeah. So focusing on the positive. I mean, and it what, really. Yeah. And what they, what you, what our animals have taught us, I believe that every animal we ever have come into our lives, they they do choose us. That, and mm-hmm. I think he said that too. You never really yeah. the next pet. You know when that next pet chooses you. And I think that go back to that time when they've chose you, and go back to the times and all the lessons you've learned from them because they, they're all immense teachers, which is different from humans, I think, in that way with pet loss. Yeah. Oh, well, Claire, thank you so much. We're coming up on the end of our time here, but I just wanted to give you a chance. Um, I believe you have, is it a self-guided like pet loss program? Can you tell us more about that or where people could find you? Uh, you can find me on ClaireChu.com. It's just my name. And um, I do have a self-study um guided because I believe that everybody's grief is different and sometimes it's hard to talk about it, right? It's so, I think the nature of loss with a human, we have acclimated so much in Western society to be able to emote about it. But when it's a pet, depending on where you are and where you live and who's in your circle, it might be very close to your heart. So it's just um, something that you can do. It, it comes in email form. Um, you log in and and there's like uh, something to ruminate on for 30 days. You know, go at yeah. your own pace. There's no homework. Uh, homework only if you choose to. And I think it just adds a different perspective. Like my lens is that um, we, it's a club that, right, with grief. It's a club nowhere everyone wants to belong to. The ones with pets are, are even more sometimes intricate and complicated because there's many layers of why we have these beings in our life and how they they've put a, themselves embedded into our hearts in a way. Yeah. And I think that um when they're there it's easy to not look at it until they're gone, but I think our animals really they picked you. And yeah. so they they know the amazing beings that you are and I I really want to impart that like for everybody who's watching is that those of us who feel so deeply and it hurts so deeply, it's because we get something acknowledgement, validation, love um, from our pets that we might not get from humans. But I want to let everybody out there know that too, that you're amazing. And, and the reason your pets picked you is because you're amazing and because your heart is so big and you have so much to give and what they're, wanting you to do is go out and share that with the world. And the oh. healing that comes from it is, is the, all of the sadness we, we go through when we lose them, but we really think about the ways, like I've had clients who said, Oh, I'm so shy. But when I had my dog, we'd go out and I made met new people that way. Or um, I would take my pet everywhere. She was my, uh, she was my plus one. You know, I think that, there's so much um, miracles, intelligence. Um, they they love us with their whole heart, and that's they see it, and so it's pure. And animals know. I mean, I I also have uh, people who say, um, I'm never going to go out with anybody who my dog doesn't like or my cat doesn't <laughs> like. You know, there's something to that fact. Yeah, so it have that sense. Yeah they have that sense. So it's just trust yourself. And, mm-hmm. and if you're grieving, know that you're not alone and there are resources out there. Um, I have a bunch of 
re- hotlines you can call. Help is just a phone call or a text away. Um, and that it is, you know, it, it's a big loss. Yeah. Well, Claire, thank you so much. So just for people, if, if you're listening and not watching, um, Claire Chu, it's C-L-A-I-R-E-C-H-E-W.com. And that is where you can find uh, Claire's website and her self-guided pet loss information and, and other information about pet loss there as well. So thank you so much for your time, Claire. I really appreciate it. I hope this was helpful for our viewers who are just really looking forward to hearing about pet loss. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. having me. You're very uh, welcome. Yeah. All right. Have a good day, everyone. And we will see you next Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye. We all know that grief can leave us feeling alone, unmotivated, and even hopeless. That's why I'm so proud to have partnered with HelpText to provide a full year of ongoing expert support to my subscribers. HelpText has individualized support for caregivers, people dealing with a difficult diagnosis, or grieving the loss of a loved one, pregnancy, or even a pet. You answer questions at sign up to get specific support just for you, including two texts per week and even extra texts on special or difficult days like birthdays or anniversaries. And the best part is if you sign up using the site linked in my description, you'll get a 10% discount off of your subscription. Thank you so much to Help Text for offering this deal to my subscribers. When life gets hard, getting support from Help Text is easy.